Let's look at our job description. How do we do this? We're going to look at the CEO job description, and we're going to work on the one, two, and three first. And I want to explain to you what that is. They're all jo the job description, but one, two, and three is the spiritual job description. The spiritual job description. And then the one through five is the literal CEO job description. But the one through three is more important than the one through five if we don't get it right, if we don't understand it. So we're going to start with the one through three. And actually, we'll do that here, and then we'll do the one through five up here. But the, the spiritual job description, and let me explain to you how God gave this to me. So it has meaning, and so you know where it came from. This wasn't a good idea on my part, something I came up with or read in a book. But it's, it came from God directly to me for such a time as this. This one day, I was 51 years old, so 18 years ago, I'm in my prayer closet, and Carol, my precious bride, was in her prayer closet over there. And then we would come together and pray, which is one way you get to be married for almost 50 years. Praise the Lord. So I'm in, I'm in my prayer closet, and, uh, got, and we've agreed to pray the same thing in and amongst our prayers. We made a commitment that we would pray, God, use the giftings and abilities and experience that you gave us to glorify you and make a difference in your kingdom. That was the prayer, among the rest of our prayers. So this one morning I said that. Didn't say it every single time. wasn't that religious. But this one morning I shared it I, with, with the Lord. And he said to me for the first time, after, after a year and a half or more, he said, do you really mean that? And I'm pretty spiritual, so I said, yeah, I mean it. And, and he said, then I want you to go to Bible college, the one that starts tomorrow. Bible college starts tomorrow. I heard, I heard Pastor Parsley talk about the Bible college for a year. And I said, that's going to be really nice for some people. <coughs> and he said, I want you to go to Bible college. If you really mean that, I want you to go to Bible college tomorrow. And I knew, and I knew it started tomorrow. So, I mean, this is unreasonable. See, I left the limited. You know, I left all the millions there. Then we started American Education Publishing. I hired two of the smartest guys that I could find that I knew from my previous career. We had a vision. We had a plan. We had, knew what we wanted to do. I hired two people smarter than me, and we were well underway, and this thing was going great. And he's telling me to go to Bible college. And I told you yesterday, he told me, you're just building an Ishmael there. I didn't tell you to do that. You're just trying to make money again. You're just trying to gain money again. Your trust is still in money, not in me. And so if you mean that prayer, go to Bible college. And so I, you know, you have to, sometimes you just have to reason with them a little bit. You know, I offered, I offered to show them my diploma, you know, because I'd been to Syracuse. I got out in 61, you know, and then I repented. I cut some classes, you know, and I apologized for that. But then he doesn't talk to, then he doesn't talk to you for long periods of time. And so I figured, you know, I could just, I could say I was a master manipulator, master manipulator through my whole career. That's how I amassed all the stock options. That's how I did a lot of the things. That's just how I survived in that system out there, motivated by money, power, prestige, position. And so go to Bible college. I reminded him I've been to college. And it gets worse. The more I refuted, it got worse. He said, uh, besides that, I want you out of all your entanglements. I said, I'm not in any entanglements. He said, yeah, you don't need that big house. 
You don't need all those luxury cars in the driveway. You don't need the retirement land in Hawaii. There isn't any such thing as retirement. <laughs> what? I mean, I would be I've been planning it since I was 40. I was starting to retire already. You know, let's figure out how we're going to pack this thing in and enjoy life. Because the job wasn't enjoyable. I don't want to retire today. This is too much fun. This is too great. And your job done right is too much fun. You would never want to retire. So, uh, you know, so I f he said, then get out, sell your retirement land in Hawaii, and there is no such thing. It's getting out. So I figured, let him simmer down. You know, he needs to. <laughs> this, this, is, this isn't even Christian what's going on here, you know. So they just calm down. We, I'll, and I'll reason with them tomorrow. You know, I'll get, we'll get back on this tomorrow. I'll build a stronger case for tomorrow, you know. So we come back together, and here comes Carol to pray. And she looks a little timid, and I could feel it coming. And she said, Dean, before we pray, I need to share something with you. God told me this morning we're supposed to go to Bible college. And it, and it starts tomorrow. I said, I know when it starts. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Guess where I was? Next day, third row on the left. Yep, last ones to register. Last ones. So I've been Bible college for seven months. I said, God, I'm in your college here. I did everything. I, he said, give that company, American Education Publishing. Give it to your partners. Get out of it. Out of your entanglements. You can't serve me and be entangled in the world stuff out there. Come and serve me. I need all of you. So give it to your partners. So I said, God, I'm not cutting any more deals. You're going to have to cut this deal. I'm scared because I put all my trust in me and things. So you're going to have to cut this deal, sir. And so for seven months they sat there. Some of the younger people came up to me. Why are you here, sir? You know, you old, you old fogey, you know. Why are you here? Oh, just seeking my way, you know. <laughs> so, so, so there I am, and for seven months I never said anything, never promoted my, never said anything about, any, about anything. But somebody knew me from previous position and told Pastor Parsley, and he called me over. He said he wanted to meet me and just thank me for being at his Bible college. And he said, I don't know why we're meeting. <laughs> we, I know we can't afford you. I've heard about it. And, and uh, I said, is there something I could do to help you? And he laughed. And he, he said, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I said, give me something to do. He said, you sure? I said, yeah. Once I finish my homework and do my in-service, I could help you build a ministry. <laughs> and why, I'm not just telling a story here, guys. You've got to let people in. You got, there, are, there are more people than just me that want to serve God. They want to help God. They want to serve God. They want to glorify God. They want to make a difference in his kingdom. And there's, there's, there's a number of them now in ministries all over the world, and more and more of them are coming. They're coming. They're coming in. I'm just one. One. But... They want to serve, but you've got to let them in, and you don't let them in because you're so concerned that they're going to see that you're not perfect, that you don't know everything, that you don't know all these business things that they know and the terminology, and they know they're awesome at the spiritual part, but you don't know the, all the terminologies and all the systems and the methods, and you don't have those down pat. So I, I can't let them see that, you know, I don't. Look, let me, let me help you out. 
God picked you from the beginning of time. He did not pick them. He did not pick me to pastor. He picked you guys to pastor. And don't forget that. You were chosen by him from the beginning of time. You're his first choice. You're the right man and right woman for the, God, for the job, for God. And don't ever forget it. But let people in that will help you. Let people in that can edify you, keep you strong, hold up your hands, and give you more, like core competence that's going to help you go the distance. Let them in. So where was I? Bible college. Yeah, so he gave me some things to do. And then it was about a month. He said, would you ever consider helping me full time? Just help. I said, yes. He said, no, you need to pray. And I, and I said, I have. And God said, if you were to ask, I'm supposed to say yes. So let's go to work. And that's where God allowed me to take these things and put them in place in a ministry and learn what it's like to be you. What it's learned, how to, and how to fit these into ministry and how to combine the business with the spiritual. And I thank God for that opportunity. We're there six years. And then God said, now you need to go out and help pastors. You see the need all over the world, everywhere. They're clamoring for help. They're struggling. They're frustrated. They have aching void of underachievement. So you go out there and help them. So I went back to Bible college. I said, God, I said, yes. I said, yes. I did what you said. And I'm scared. I was scared. I was scared. I said, God, what is it? I'm I've served an admiral. I've served two fortune billion dollar CEOs, but I've never served a man of God. And I need to know what you expect of me in serving a man of God. What is it you're going to be holding me accountable for? Because this has to work. Everything I've got now is in your hands. And he, I'm sure he said, yeah, it's about time. You know, <laughs> finally got the turkey where I needed him, you know. And I said, so you have to show me, Lord. I'm sitting in Bible college, and the instructor's teaching, and I'm, asked, I'm talking to God. And he gave me three things right there. I wrote them down as fast as I could, and I'm going to put them up here on the board. He said, you, he prefaced the first two with the same words. He said, you do whatever it takes. See, there's a big difference between do whatever it takes and do your best. And don't let your people come to you and tell you, oh, well, I did my best, Pastor. Well, your best didn't get the job done. It didn't get done on time. It isn't any good. It's not going to change anybody's life. It's some bogus thing that you did your best given all the other things you chose to do before you got this done. And how many times have we all said, God, I'll do anything for you? Well, make sure they understand that they're doing it unto God, not man. They're not doing it unto you. They're doing it unto him. And hold them to that level of accountability. So I, I get so frustrated when I see leaders tell their pastor, well, I did my best. That's bogus. That's weak. We have to do whatever it takes. But once we make a commitment, we're not into abuse. And I'll talk to you about how we work with volunteers and all that. We'll get to that. But he said, he said you do whatever it takes. First two. Preface the first two. You do whatever it takes, Dean. To what? To protect the anointing on his life. To protect the anointing on his life. There's an anointing on his life, and you protect it. Secondly, you do whatever it takes, whatever that takes. And let me list them, and then we'll come back and, and uh, dissect them a bit. Protect the anointing on his life. The second thing he said is you do whatever it takes to help him accomplish the vision that I've given him.
you make the vision come to pass that I gave him at the mountain. You make that vision come. You do whatever it takes. You wake up in the middle of the night and agonize over the vision and make sure that it happens. The one I gave him. Sure, he's going to be held accountable for the vision, but so are you. And you're going to be held accountable to make sure that it happens, that it gets executed, that it gets performed. Do whatever it takes to protect the anointing. Do whatever it takes to make the vision come to pass. And then number three, just write the word pulse. Write the word pulse. And let me explain what that means. He said to me, you teach Pastor Parsley and this ministry the methods and the systems that I've taught you for over 30 years in corporate America that come right out of that training manual. You teach him those methods, systems, and processes so that he can keep his finger on the pulse of the ministry but not have to be involved in every single thing. So he can know, what, what does it mean to take the pulse? You go to the emergent care, they wanna know, are you alive and well, are you healthy? Yeah, are your vital signs healthy, good? So he, you pastors need to know the vital signs of the ministry, but you do not have to be involved in every meeting, in it, read every memo, make every decision, solve every problem. Go to the mountain and hear from God. Envision what it is God tells you to do. Come down off of the mountain, try to find a few people interested in hearing about your experience up there, and then to, uh, sitting down in your lazy boy for weeks on end, coming up with the plan to how we're going to make this happen, and then who can I get, and how can I find somebody to help me do it, and then how are we going to implement this, and how are we going to get the congregation behind it, and then how, once we launch it, how are we going to monitor it and evaluate it and meet, make the mid-course corrections and do that on 19 things. And it's no wonder pastors don't survive. That's ludicrous. Nobody in their right mind should function like that. But if you're not trained, nobody's taught you a difference, and you love God and want to be all you can be for him, you're going to do that. But it, it doesn't work, and you know that. So you have to be able to take the pulse. You have to know, are we achieving? Remember yesterday? You never take your eye off of what it is God told you to do. We're here today. There's where we're headed. This is the straight and narrow, the shortest distance between two points. Anything else is wandering around the wilderness. So if something is off the line here and it's not moving directly toward what God told us to do, then we've got to make the change. And you wouldn't know that unless you're focused on what it is God wants all the time. And so you have to take the pulse along the way. You have to do the checking and evaluating along the way to make sure that that is set free. So that's what it means by pulse. The met, put the methods and the systems and the processes in place that will allow you to know that we're achieving, performing, functioning, executing, doing it in righteousness, operating in excellence, working in professionalism, all the standards that you've established. You have to know those things, and there's a way to check, and that's what I'm going to teach you so that you can take the, I want to teach you how to take the pulse so you don't have to be involved in everything and do everything and think through everything. So that, now, let me, I want to clarify one thing here. Protecting the anointing. I'm not talking about body slamming anybody who gets near the pastor, okay? 
I'm not, I'm not talking about boxing people out. He's, you know, you can't touch him and get back here. He's the main guy. No, or anything else like that. For to covering for unrighteousness or, or, or any kind of behavior that is not glorifying God. No, that's not what I'm talking about here. You, I think you understand what I'm talking about, protecting the anointing. How do you do that? By offering ideas, being self-initiating, taking the vision and run with it, coming up, taking risks to build the ministry, calculated ones. But taking risks to build it, that's how you edify and protect the anointing so that the pastor can sleep at night and the pastor can do his job and operate in it with an anointing. Now, the, a, a dream that God gave me right, right after this, right after this, he gave me a dream. He wanted to make some points to me. He wanted to, he'll give you dreams to teach you. It's a good idea to ask God, what does that mean? It's, made, it's helped me make some good decisions and avoid some bad ones. Ask God, what it, but this particular one was kind of a no-brainer. You know, so pa Pastor Parsley and I were walking in this dream, not reality, in this dream. We're walking to the prayer, to the uh, um, mail room that we didn't have. We, we didn't have, we ha oh, we had a mail room, you know, where you get bills and you pay bills and people write and tell you you're a cult. You know, we had that kind of a mail room. <coughs> but, but, we, but we didn't have a mail room that could minister to America by mail. And so, and in this dream, the mail room was big. I mean, the, the ceiling went up almost to the speaker there and it was about as wide as from the board to the first row here. And so he and I are walking in this dream, nightmare, walk into the mail room. I open the door to let Pastor in first, and we both got nailed to the floor back here covered in mail. The, mail, the room was completely filled with mail, and it covered us in mail. And we're laying on the floor covered in mail in this particular frame in the dream. I'm not telling the whole dream here, just make a couple salient points. That frame number one, covered in mail, okay? So... You don't have to, you know, it's not a real deep here, you know. You're going to have a lot of mail here very quickly, you know. So, so we, we, we were on, our TV at that time was the Columbus Market. And then we went on weekly. And then right after that, they said, hey, we like your program, and we want you on daily. We're giving you an opportunity to be on daily. You know, they don't give that invitation all the time. So we said, well, we don't even know how to do weekly, but we're, you know, we were t better take it. And so God is saying, you don't know how to do it. Wake up, and you're going to have to figure this out. And that, because in the next step, in the next, in the next frame in the dream, I'm up there at the top of the mail, okay? So there's this much room at the top of the room be, uh, with mail, empty mail, because it's out in the hall. And so there's a little bit of space up there, and I'm at the top of the room, crawling around in the mail. And I'm looking for the oldest dated postmark so that we could write them back first. We're going to write people back in the order that they sent in the mail. You know, that, right? That's what you should do. But the room full of mail. And, uh, oh, that's the, oh, that's later than this. No, not about that. And that's when I woke up. Shirt sopping wet. Nightmare. And God said, uh, I, know you, I know you know this. You work for an admiral, a bunch of billion-dollar CEOs. You notice he wasn't in that last frame. It's not his job to figure out how we're going to mail, how we're going to respond to mail, 
and prayer requests and to how we're going to minister to the nation by mail. That's your job. I'm holding you accountable to that. I've called him to preach. I've called him to teach in the college. I've taught him to go on crusades around the world. I've called him to write. I've called him to, I've called him. And I've called you to figure this out. So that's what this means. We're responsible. Leaders, you're responsible for the vision that your pastor's been given. And you're not entirely responsible. You're just responsible to lead a team that will make it happen down through the ministry. So we can work on that mandate, those mandates simultaneous, uh, uh, simultaneously and not sequentially. Another example, case study from the limited stores. They, had, they own half the stores in the mall now. They, they busted through the five billion. Once they got more leaders, they kept moving. Now half the stores in the mall are part of the limited brands umbrella. But I was walking to Les uh, Wexner, the guy who hired me from New York. He and I, we got on the call. He said, hey, I got a good idea. We're going to fly down to the goal Friday afternoon. I'm planning to go to Brent's soccer and, and uh, Leslie's cheerleading and a date with Carol. And he's planning to go to Miami and Houston and uh, Rodeo Drive and look at stores, you know, <laughs> oh boy. And, and so he said, so here we go. And, you know, when I took the job, I said, you know, Les, I, I, was pretty, I was still negotiating. I was still cutting deals. And so we negotiated a good salary. We negotiated uh, good perks, great moving expenses. I mean, I did a really good job. And but I said, you don't own me. I got, my priorities are God first, my family second. They weren't always this way, but now I was saved. And I said, and then the limited's going to be third. Now, you'll never be disappointed in what I do. I, I know how to work smart. I'll get the job done. But you, don't, you can't own me. And it, you know, so he said, so do we have a deal? And I said, yeah, but you can't own me. It didn't cost money, so, that wor that, so he said, okay. Yeah. He was feeling, I could tell, by the way, he was going to have to come out of the tape, but I could tell how he was looking like it was an upscale mugging here, you know. But it did, and, and he was right, it, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a problem for at least six days. And then <laughs> it was a problem for six years. But here we go. You know, I had all my own personal plans. We've got to go down to the, to the Gold Coast in Miami. Then we're going to the gallery in Houston, then out to Rodeo Drive in L.A. on the jet, and we're going to brainstorm and we're going to we're going to innovate remember he's an innovator we're going to innovate we're going to we're going to we're going to start some new companies we're going to think about new th that's how we started limit express we saw the store and we said hey there's a great idea we didn't knock them off but we took the concepts and we built it into the limit express and so and so here we are walking down the mall now i just want i want to share with you because this makes one of the strongest points i can make i'm not just telling a story and uh we're walking down the mall, he and I. And it, they were starting to bring everything inside then. You know, the, back in 79, 1979, bringing everything in these malls. Now they're bringing everything out, you know. Then in was in, but now out's in. Yeah, but they, they were going down the mall, and we're past the theater. And we passed, they were, you know, four or five feature films in there. And we're walking down, and we're schmoozing around, and he was a lifelong learner. He learned from osmosis, picking up stuff. We passed the theater. Here's the entrance to the theater. 
Maximum theater. And here, and there's the lights and the strobe lights and the, light, the colored lights. And then there's the graphics up there of the key scenes, the love scene and the action scenes and from all the pictures. And we, he, he said, that's it. Look, that's it. And I said, yeah. What? And he said, that's it. Look it. Look it. It's an entertainment center. And I thought, yeah, it's a movie theater. You know. And he said, look, it's compelling. Do you, do, you, do you feel it? I thought, yeah, we're going to go watch a flick, you know. I can feel it. And he said, no, no, see it, see it. This is compelling. Now look over there. Look at, look at our place. In fact, turn around and look right back there. Look at the blank wall. Look at the wall and see the exit sign back there. That's what our store looked like. <laughs> he said, look, look over there. Look across the mall. And uh, where am I going to put this? Here. So we're out here in the, in the mall, and here's the theater over here. That is here. And he said, now look over there. Look at our store. And look at all the other stores in the mall. Look at that. And, and what, did, what, what did we look at? Well, here was a rounder of skirts, T-square blouses, another rounder of some other stuff, things hanging here, the racks all the way across here like that. And there was the door with the exit sign over it. Boy, that's really exciting. He said, look at that. Look at this. This is exciting. Look at that. That's terrible. That's, that's as dull as it could be. That is not compelling. This is compelling. He said, do you see that? You see the difference? He's telling me. You see the difference here? You see, what is he saying? You see the vision. Do you see what we need to do here? That's what he's saying to me. And he said, he said make, this, make this happen. Make this happen over there. Make it happen. That's all he had to say. That's all you as a leader, as a CEO, as a department head, should have to say. You get the vision. You know what it is God wants. And your job is to communicate what that is with clarity. We'll talk about how to set direction, how to delegate. But, and your job is to simply say, make it happen. That's what he said to me. Guess what? If I didn't make it happen, there were 15 other people that wanted my job. So I made it happen. But he, didn't, he never had a check. He didn't have to remind me. He didn't have to stay there and say it 16 times and, are you sure? And, you know, no, he didn't have to sell me, convince me, and you shouldn't either. You have people that will fight for the vision. And you turn, and so he said, that's what I want you to hear. Make it happen. That's, that's, what, that's how it sh simple it should be and how freeing it should be for you to be able to turn to somebody, your core competent people, and say, make it happen. So he said, do you, you see that? What, what did he mean? Well, what did we, or what did we do? And it, you know, it, was, it, was four, it was three blank walls like this. It was a vast wasteland. And every other one was the same way. But this was the start of vertical merchandising. And, he, and what we did, I, we put up here, here, we put up Brooke Shields. And she was wearing the jeans that we hung all over the wall. We took them off the racks here, and put some of them, put them up on the wall here. Over here, we had Christy Brinkley wearing this stuff. And we put Christy up here, and we filled, and so we started to make it look like that. And that was the advent of, of vertical merchandising. And that, all I want you to get out of this is make it happen. Now, he didn't check, you know. He didn't say, Did you, are you working on that, you know, and remind me. Are you sure? Are you, have you done it? Do you know? No, he never once checked. I went back, I went back and got with a team. And then I said, this is when we can have the plan 
and we'll have the answer and the solution and the design and the execution for you by this time. Is that acceptable, sir? And he said, yeah, that will be great. And he never, see, he kept going. He kept doing what he needed to do. He never gave it another thought. And that's what you want to have. You want to have people that will, so you don't have to ever give it another thought. You don't have to have little checklists and reminders and wake up in the middle of the night wondering whether anybody's doing any of this stuff. And I'll teach you how to do that too. But then we walked a little further down the mall and we cut into the, whatever the hot drugstore was in those days, but say Walgreens, they've been around a long time. So we went into Walgreens to get what? I don't know, Altoids or something. We're waiting in line to check out. There's three or four people ahead of us. And he sees this stuff there, the impulse purchase stuff. He said, that, look at that, that's it, that's it, look. I said, yeah. He said, that's it, that's, look at that. He said, see that stuff there? Look, look at that lady, she just grabbed that. She didn't come in here for that. And look at, the, and look at the, they're, they're busy looking at this stuff. And they're buying that stuff. Our people, they stand, we don't have stuff. We, our people stand in line, they're waiting there to check out. They got the goods here and they're waiting, they get mad at us. He said, put stuff there and make them happy. Put stuff there. And now he didn't mean, you know, the National Enquirer and X-Lax X and, you know, the, the 19 battery pack, you know. What he meant was scarves and barrettes and belts and accessories to the stuff. And, the, and the, they, hey, we, I need that to go with this. Yeah, and they, okay. Now, again. Yeah, he said to me, you got it? You understand? Okay, let's go. That's it. That's all he had to say. You get the vision. Other people make it happen. That's how it has to work. That's the way it works out there. That's why they're successful. That's why we stagnate and can't give God a return. Can't give God a return on investment. Now, of course, everybody's doing that. It got so carried away that, you know, you couldn't find a square inch. Now it's much more tasteful, better designed, and so forth. Okay, so... That's the spiritual job description. A problem without a solution is a complaint. Put your people in situations from which they cannot escape without thinking.